This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday for another hour of old-time radio crime. Begin this week, a lineup in their episode from December 7th, 1950, titled The Jersey Parallel. After that, it's FBI and Peace and War in the Club Date, their episode from December 15th, 1954. Ladies and gentlemen, we take you now behind the scenes of a police headquarters in a great American city, or under the cold, glaring lights the past before us, the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. This is The Lineup. We can take this row right here. Well, will this take long, Lieutenant? Not too long, Mrs. Wheeler. I have to do my shopping for the weekend. It won't take long. Did you catch the man? Well, we don't know. We picked up everybody in the area that has a record or looks suspicious. Well, I hope you have got him. Well, it would be May easy. I have your attention, Awful please? thing to have a man like that running around loose. You yeah. people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name, and charge. If you have any questions or identifications, please remember the number assigned to the prisoner, as I call his name. At the end of each line, when I ask for questions or identifications, call out the number. If you're sure or not too sure of the suspect, have him held. The officers who took How your many name are we going to look at? Oh, half a dozen or so. Please be prompt with your questions or identifications. When the prisoners leave here, they are sent to the bathroom and dressed back into their jail clothes. It makes it quite difficult to bring them back after they leave here. The questions I ask these suspects are merely to get a natural tone of voice. So do not pay too much attention to their answers as they often lie. Bring on the line. All right, all right. Move up to the end of the stage. Right on up to the end. Keep it moving. All right, turn and face front. Hands to your sides. Look straight ahead. You take off your hat. Okay, number one, Leonard Foster. Disturbing the peace. State your age and where you live. I'm 42 years old. I live at 109 West 88th Street. And you know darn well I wasn't disturbing the peace. That's the charge, Leonard. I was walking along, minding my own business, doing nothing. I get hauled in. For no reason you haul me in. You ain't got a charge till you say I'm disturbing him. What am I, what am I disturbing him, I want to know? Five arrests, two convictions. Yeah, a long time ago, sure. Petty theft, possession, vagrant. Yeah, I know what i done. I've done 180 days for what i done, but I ain't done it lately. Just answer my question. I get here rolled in with disturbing the peace because I ain't disturbed nothing. And I give the arresting officer a little trouble, sure. Because I know you got nothing on me. Ah, uh, Leonard. And he tags me with a phony charge. Just because you can't pin nothing on me. And you want me down here. All right, that's enough. Okay, I'm down here, but I ain't done nothing. You all through shooting off your face? Some guy shakes a screw loose and shoots up the town, so you're hauling everybody with a record. I don't go around shooting nobody. Number two. Oh, disturbing the police. Shut up. Number two, Edward Clark. Hello, Sergeant. Where do you live, Edward? Same place, Sergeant. Tell the people. 215 West 110th Street. Where do you work, Edward? Oh, I'm between jobs. You've still got ten months to go on your parole. Yeah, yeah, look, we all know why we got picked up. Yeah, for nothing we got picked up. I told you to shut up. He? I know my rights. All right, get him out of here. Come on, you. I want a lawyer. Run him down to the tank and let him cool off. I'll move. Okay, okay, but I know my rights. All right, Edward. What were you doing when the officer picked you up? Walking. Where? No place, just walking. Nothing else to do. I didn't shoot nobody. I never even come close. Okay, number three. State your name and where you live. John Eggleston, 110th and Orange. You've got quite a record, John. Not for killing nobody. You know about the killing? Sure, some psycho gets wild with a gun and kills everybody inside. He killed seven people, wounded three. Pretty psycho. Number four, state your name and where you live. Thomas Cashin, 53376. You were picked up a long way from home. I'm a wanderer. What were you doing when the officer picked you up? Window shopping. You were picked up a block away from the shooting. Yeah, I even heard it. But you kept on window shopping. None of my business. Sounded like backfires to me. You don't know the difference between backfires and gunshots? Me? Well, how would I know? 1938, arrested on suspicion of armed robbery. 1939, breaking and entering, served a year and a day. 
1941, suspicion of murder. Same year, convicted and served three years for armed robbery. <laughs> Make a heck of a movie, wouldn't it? Number five, state None your name and where you... None of these men are the one you're looking for, Lieutenant. Sure, no, right. How about the rest of you? Where do you I don't see him. Oh, no, he's not there. None of these men. You said you were leaving your girl... Uh, Sergeant Grab. Uh, yes, yes, Lieutenant. Uh, no identifications. Run on the next bunch. I'm beat. Yeah. Well, I didn't expect an identification on any of those boys. The man we're looking for is... He probably doesn't even have a record. Well, we'd better get him in a hurry. The whole town's yelling for an arrest. He's a mental case. No doubt about that. No motive in his killing. Shoots anybody indiscriminately. Seven people just walk down the block and shoot him. Have you looked at the uh, ballistics report? Yeah. Ties in with what the witnesses said. Said it was a big gun, Lugo automatic pistol. Yeah, machine pistol. Well, what do we do? I think he's still in that area. Look at figures that he lives somewhere around there. Why does it figure? Well, that gun he had was a pretty big gun. Couldn't possibly carry it in his pocket. He's not going to walk very far with it before using it. I think he walked out of his house or wherever he was staying, started down this block. First person he saw, he killed him. Maybe he drove a car. No, no. No, that's not good. If he had a motive, sure. If he had a reason for killing those particular people, if he planned it. But no, this was just insane, wild massacre. Was anybody he saw, anybody on the street? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, look at the first person he shot, a five-year-old boy playing on his roller skates. Walked up to him and killed him. Ten people he shot like that. Seven of them dead, maybe an eight. No, I'm convinced he... Probably sat around in his room, this thing eating at him, made up his mind, walked out, started down the block and went crazy. Well, if you're right, you've narrowed it down to a pretty small area and somebody in that area must know him and be able to recognize him and tell you who he is. Well, we've got a fairly good description from the witnesses. Nobody recognized him. But they all gave a fairly accurate description. Let's give it to the police artist. Let him draw up a picture. Uh, where are the witnesses now? I've got all five of them down looking at the mug file. Mrs. Wheeler keeps yelling she's got to do her weekend shopping. Uh, she mentioned it to me several hundred times. She's probably got a grouchy husband. Yeah. Go get him, man. Now, if you'll all just sit down, please. This is uh, Mr. Collins. He's going to listen to your descriptions of the killer and try to reconstruct his likeness. Uh, Mr. Case? Yes, Lieutenant? As nearly as you can, will you again tell us what this man looked like? I certainly. He was... Uh, uh, ju just a minute, please. Now, the rest of you, if you have anything to add, speak up. If you disagree, say so immediately. All right, Mr. Case. Uh, well, uh, he was about as tall as the sergeant. Yeah, he was. Yeah, about uh, you're about uh, six feet, aren't you, man? Close, within a quarter of an inch. And he was thin. He was wearing a white shirt. Uh, just a minute. Yeah. You said he was thin. How thin? What would you say he weighed? Oh, I guess about 160. Oh, thinner than that. My husband weighs 160. He was thinner than that. Well, he could have been. I'm not a very good judge. No, more like 150. Mm -hmm. You all agree? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yes. About right, yeah. Uh, he was wearing a white shirt, Mr. Case? Yes. A white shirt and dark pants. I don't know what color pants. I brown, I think, brown. He was we uh, just wearing a shirt, no coat? Uh, that's right. And in this weather, too. Well, that makes it look more like he didn't walk too far. Shirt and brown pants. Huh? Mm -hmm. exactly. That's right. Anything else? I can't think of anything. Uh, no, I can't. Uh, the rest of you? I can't think of anything. All right, now, this is really important. How many of you got a really good look at his face? Good enough so you could give an artist a description fairly close. Uh, raise your hands, please. Everybody but Mrs. Wheeler? I only saw how he was dressed, Lieutenant. All right, Mrs. Wheeler. Now, uh, we'll start with the complexion. Uh, uh, Lieutenant? Yes, Mrs. Uh, Wheeler. As long as I can't help you. All now. right, Mrs. Wheeler, you can go get your shopping done. Well, I, I can't do much good here. No, you certainly can't. Goodbye and thank you, Mrs. Wheeler. Well, you think I didn't want to Will help. you show her out, Matt, please? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Now, would you say the man had a dark, medium, or light complexion, Mr. Case? Well, I'd say it was definitely dark. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. 
Okay. Dark hair? Yes, oh, yeah. that's right. It was cut very short. You couldn't miss it. Would you say he had a long head or a short round head? Well, he had a very thin face. The head was long. Very heavy eyebrows. Dark eyes. Well, wait a minute. They weren't so heavy. Heavier than yours. Well, not oh, like John Oh, certainly heavier than mine. Look, I got a good look at him, too. Oh, just a minute. I well, wait I a minute, will you? Please hold it. Hold it. Sure, go ahead, Mr. Kane. We've been in here over an hour, Ben. Okay. The squad room is crawling with reporters. We'll have to give them some action soon. Don't you think I'd like to give them some action? Oh, don't get jumpy. Ah, no. uh, that's nearly it. That's pretty close to what he looked like. I think he had more of a pointed chin. You know, it stood out more. I don't know. That's pretty close. You've disagreed with everything I've said. Look, lady, I'm sorry. I just don't think his chin you was... You don't a... think anything. You just say no. But it I... don't look like oh, that. No. Say what you like, lady. Get as nasty as you want. I don't think Please, he had now, a... please. Look, look. I, I know it's tough for everybody, but... It wouldn't but... be so tough if this here monkey now, was... Now, wait a minute, please. Wait a minute. I heard one of you say that it looked pretty much like the killer. I said. If the chin was more pointed. Yes, all right, but it's close. Yeah, well, it's close. Oh, all right, then. Uh, I hope I didn't take too long. Well, that's all right, Mr. Case. Uh, take a look at the picture, please. You think it looks like the killer? Yes, that's very close. Now, if you'll just change... Uh, thank the, you, Mr. Uh, Case. Uh, get the picture, Matt, and let's get out of here. <laughs> Now, here it is, boys. This is as close a description as we could get on the killer. Each one of you take one and start circulating in the area. Show it to everybody. Newspapers already have these, but they won't be out for a while. Hand them up, Quine. Right. Come on, man. Right. Well, where to? We'll start at the scene and work south and north. Hey, I just thought of something. What? I haven't had breakfast or lunch. I'm starved. It's an event you wait for for 12 months. The grand finals of Horace Heights' original youth opportunity program. And next Sunday night's the big night for 1950. The most talented young Americans Horace Height has ever discovered in his famous nationwide auditions will be heard competing for the championship and the $5,000 grand prize. Arthur Olson, 17-year-old piano sensation from Minneapolis. Sidney Barabas, the brilliant young coloratura. Jesse Owen, baritone, who left his shoeshine stand to win one of Horace Height's quarterfinal rounds. You'll find them and the others on CBS next Sunday night when the Horace Height Original Youth Opportunity Program comes your way on most of these same stations. Something I can do for you? Police. Oh. Oh, yes, sir. About the killing, huh? That's right. A couple of policemen were in earlier. I didn't see it. This man. Ever been in your store before? Well, I don't recognize him. You sure? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I've ever seen him before. You run the store alone? Yes, sir. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Want to bowl a few games? With your head, sure. Oh, that's very funny. There's a bar over there, Matt. You take it. I'll talk to whoever's in charge of the alleys. Right. Hey, you want an alley? No. Uh, you ever seen this guy before? You a cop? That's right. Ever see him? No. He the guy that killed all those people? Yeah. What a terrible thing that was. How long you been working here? Me? I run the place. Well, I hope you catch that guy. He ain't safe with a guy like that around. 
How many people you got working for you? Uh, just the people who might have seen this man if he came in. Well, let me see. There's Marge. She's the one over there serving the beer. Uh-huh. Who else? Uh, let's see. I got one waitress and two bartenders working in the bar. The bar's being checked. Now, let's see. My wife, Marge, the waitress, two bartenders, and my wife. Well, that's all that's working here outside of the pinboys. Okay. Let's talk to them. Sure, sure. Talk to my wife first if you want her. She's the one at the cash register. Uh-huh. When I opened the place, she took over the cash register. It figured. Tell me, you married? No. Congratulations. Everything seven blocks north, everything six blocks south, and it doesn't look like we're going to get a thing. I'll try this one. Oh, the barbershop? Yeah. Just have a seat, gentlemen. Speak to your neck. Uh, we're the police. We want you to take a look at this picture. Police? Sure, let's see. Ever see him before? Uh, yeah, I think so. It looks like him. I got his hair yesterday. This is the guy I'm thinking of. Who is he? His name? Yeah, his name. <laughs> his name? I don't know. He, he's only been in here three or four times. He likes his hair short, like in the picture. He done something? Yeah, he's done something. Funny guy. You know, he's always talking about the army, about all the battles. We talk he about in. where he lived. Well, he never talked about where he lived. Just about the army and how he wanted his haircut. And how he didn't like the people in this town. What'd he do? He killed some of the people he didn't like in this town. He was the one? He killed all those people today? We think so. Holy gosh, I cut his hair. And he didn't tell you where he lived? He said nothing, but I know. At least I'm pretty sure. Where? The rooming house, blocked down the street. I seen him in the window once with the grocery. This side, I'm the corner, the end of the block. Thanks. How do you like that? He killed all those people. I cut his hair. You the landlady? Yes, that's right. You want a room? Uh, police. We want to talk to you. Oh, all right. We'd like to come in. All right. What's wrong? Shh. Keep your voice down. It's about one of your rumors. One of my rumors? Uh, take a look at this picture. Oh, him. What's he done? Who is he? Name's Fitch, Arthur Fitch. What's he done? Is he in? Yeah, it's been a couple of hours ago. Still in his room, I think. What's he done? Where's his room? Second floor, first door. Where's your phone? One on the wall, and the one we got, you'll have to pay a nickel. How many other people in the building? It's just me. Got one vacancy. Everybody else is working. Mm-hmm, I see. Do you mind telling me what this is all about? We want Arthur Fitch on suspicion of murder. Murder? Murder? Keep your voice down. Hello, Captain. This is Sergeant Grimm. Ben and I are in a boarding house on 103rd Street, 314. We think I got a man. Yeah, that's right. Name Arthur Fitch, a barber identified him. According to the landlady, he's up in his room now. No, 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 no. We wait for you. Right, Captain. He'll cover the area. Look up, Captain. You'd it better go it... outside, lady. Get off the street as quickly as possible. But my place. Lady, you've got a murderer upstairs. You want to stay here? All right. You go outside, Matt, and wait for Waldo. Stay I'll right stay here. Oh, good Lord. Don't move. Don't, don't shoot us, Arthur. Better put it down, Arthur. I'll kill you all if you move. You don't have a chance, son. I never do. Somebody's always trying to hurt me. I never have a chance. I said don't move. All right, Arthur. You think you're smart, don't you? You think you're pretty smart. I heard you talking on the phone. I heard you when you came in. I saw you coming down the block. I knew you'd get there sooner or later. Just haven't made up my mind what to do yet. Just haven't made up my mind. I feel so bad. Everybody makes me feel so bad. We don't want to hurt you, Arthur. You don't. You're lying. We just want to talk to you. Want to talk to me, huh? You want to talk to me, then you want to go out and tell people things about me. You want to make people talk about me. You want to make them hate me. We want to show you how to get out of here, Arthur. Show you what to do. Help you make up your mind. You're lying. We just thought we could help you, Arthur. You want to help me? That's right. How can you help me? Nobody around here wants to help me. Not since I got here. Nobody likes me. Just like that other town. Everybody's saying things about me. 
planning things. How can we get Arthur out of town? Arthur's no good. Let's run him out. <laughs> I showed him. We'll hide you, Arthur. I don't believe you. I don't know you. Well, sure you do. We've helped you before. You have? Sure, sure. We don't want you to get hurt. We'll hide you so you can't get hurt. You've helped me before? Sure. Don't you remember? No. Oh, we've helped you lots of times. The police. You call the police. Ah, we just said that. Yeah, so we could fool them. Get you out. You've helped me before? That's right, Arthur. We'll help you this time, too. When did you help me before? Lots of times when you were in trouble. Remember all the times you were in trouble? And how you got out of them, Arthur? How you got out of trouble? We helped you. You haven't forgotten us, have you, Arthur? Will you get me out of this trouble? Sure, we'll show you the way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, please. Please help me. Come down the stairs. All right. Now, you've got to hurry. You, you're going to help me? Sure, sure, sure. Like we helped you in the army. All the times you got in trouble. You were in the army? Sure, we were in the army. What's that? Well, it isn't anything, Arthur. Come on. No, now. no. No, Mrs. Evans, come up here. You better do it. Hurry up or I'll shoot the whole bunch of you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we'll go to my room so I can think. They won't hurt me while I got you. Where is he, Lieutenant? He's got the landlady upstairs in his room. He's got the machine pistol, too. Whole area is surrounded. He's a complete paranoid. Really came apart at the seams. Thinks everybody hates him. What do we do? Well, he's killed seven people already. You can't take a chance on that poor landlady. We almost had him. Just another second, and we just about had him talked into thinking we were his only friends. I doubt if he'll trust anybody now. Come on, let's get outside. Oh, here comes Captain. Now wave him back. The more cops Arthur spots, the more desperate he'll get. Well, we just can't let him sit up there. There's no telling I what... got an idea, Matt. Stay close to the building. According to the landlady, that's his room right above us. No way to get up there. Now, there's a building across the street. If we can get into the second floor... Quine... Go get a rifle. Can you spot him? No. I can see right into his room, but I... I can't see Arthur or the landlady. Probably sitting down. He'd only get in front of that window. Yeah, we can't wait. No telling when he's liable to start using that gun. Then we're no better off than when we started. We are if somebody can get him in front of that window. Well, how's that going to be done? Well, I'll worry about that after I see whether I can talk my way into his room. Uh, ben. Can you think of a better way? No, but how about me trying it? You're a better shot than I am. <sighs> okay. I hope you're a better shot. Remember, if I do get him in that window, I'm the fat one. Arthur. Why don't you go away? I still want to help you. Why do you lie like that? Why don't you admit it? You want to kill me. You've got to trust me, Arthur. I know a way to get you out. Now listen. Listen, you better leave. I've got Mrs. Evans in here and I'll shoot her if anybody tries to get me out of here. Please. Please go away. Then just look out the window, Arthur. You can see the way to get out yourself. I don't want to look out the window. Go away, I'm warning you. Then just let me talk to you. I can't hurt you by just talking to you. I don't want to hear anything you've got to say. I feel bad. Oh, you. Arthur, if I can prove I'm your friend, if I can prove I've helped you before, will you trust me? You can't prove that. Well, let me talk to you. I'll prove it. It's getting late. It's getting late. I've got to make up my mind what to do. Arthur. How can you prove that you want to help me? If I can prove that I helped you other times, will you believe me? I won't. If I could prove I was in the army with him, you'd let me help you. Were you in the army? With you, Arthur. In the war? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Infantry? Just like you. Yeah. I was in the army for five years. Seven battles. Were you with me then? That's right. 
I helped you all those times. Oh, yes. Oh, terrible times. I, I was decorated. Yeah. You did a wonderful job. Yeah. I got the Purple Heart. I was wounded. Oh, I know. Don't you remember in the hospital? I helped you. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else was with you. Another man. You both helped me. That's right. Oh, you don't know what it's like in war, Mrs. Evans. He'll tell you. All that killing. Have to kill him or get killed yourself. I can help you out of this, Arthur. Just like those terrible times in the war. How? Just look out of the window. Out of the window? Yeah. I got a car down there. On the street. Right below the window. I don't know. Oh, they'll never get you. I don't know. Well, you've got a gun. Yes. Well, look out the window. Look at the car. You'll come with me? Sure. Sure. I'll help you. Why do people always have to hate me? We'll climb out of that window, get in that car. I made them all sorry for not liking me. Well, you see the car? No. No, I don't. It's all right, Mrs. Evans. It's all right. I didn't see the car. There wasn't any car, Arthur. about something. I gotta tell you. All right, Arthur. I'm really ashamed. But I never really was in the army. I just made it up. Lineup, where before you pass the innocent, the vagrant, the thief, the murderer. Listen again next week when we again bring you the lineup. May I have your attention, please? You people out there on the other side of the wire in the audience room, may I have your attention, please? Thank you. My name is Greb, Sergeant Matt Greb. I'll explain the lineup to you. Each of the suspects you will see will be numbered. I'll call off a number, their name, and charge. If you have any questions or identification, please remember the number of The Lineup, starring Bill Johnstone as Lieutenant Ben Guthrie and Wally Mayer as Sergeant Matt Greb, is written by Blake Edwards with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were Lee Patrick, Elliot Reed, Wilms Herbert, Howard McNear, Sidney Miller, Clayton Post, Joe Duvall, and Virginia Gregg. The lineup is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Every Friday evening on CBS, the handsome young cop, Danny Clover, brings you his latest adventure patrolling the theatrical district of New York. Broadway's my beat, says Danny. And his stories involve Apple Annies, Chorus Girls, Society Women, Gamblers, Theatrical Producers. All of the picturesque characters that are found in Times Square. Be listening for this fine mystery series, Broadway's My Beat, Friday evening on most of these same stations. Dan Coverly speaking. This is CBS, the star's address, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The FBI in Peace and War. The FBI in Peace and War is brought to you by refreshing, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Enjoy chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day as millions do. The lively, long-lasting flavor cools your mouth and freshens your taste. The pleasant chewing adds enjoyment to whatever you're doing. 
great story based on Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War. Drama, thrills, action. Tonight's story, The Club Date. Chuck, what's the idea of calling this time of night? Night? Well, look, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, don't tell me you two lobas are still in bed. Chuck, dear, I will appreciate it muchly if you will refrain from shouting at the top of your lungs this hour of the night. Sorry. I also will appreciate it if you will refrain from talking at all so as I can complete my beauty sleep. Okay. I was foolish enough to think the prospect of ten, maybe fifteen thousand fish might wake you up. Darling, who's not away? <laughs> you got a pencil handy? Just give me names, addresses, and serial numbers. Well, the names are Arthur Bruce Ross and Chester Monroe. The address, Sherry Plaza Hotel. They were just in the club for a steam bath, rub down, a little flabby, but they all set the house. <laughs> Wives gone to the country. Florida country for Christmas, New Year's. All they were missing was a couple of dates, so I figured... You figured you'd rub them down and Joan and me'd shake them down. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I figured. Anyway, they have your number, so when they call, just give them the business. What are we this time? Beautiful models or beautiful nightclub singers? Beautiful TV actresses. we got to keep current. <laughs> okay, Chuck. You leave it to us. We'll give them the show business. Wanted by the FBI for fraud under the National Stolen Properties Act, Chuck Martin and Dorian Vallandam with aliases. These two, with accomplices, work a very clever swindle in the manner described. Martin, a licensed masseur, secures a position in a private health or athletic men's club and... Mr. Ross, Mr. Monroe, five minutes. That's enough steam for you. Uh, that's fine with me, Chuck. We'll be right along. Yeah, you had enough, Chet? I had enough five minutes ago. Come on, they have to carry us out. Okay. <laughs> Take the sheet with you. You'll be right back in shape after a brisk massage. <laughs> There's nothing like it. Well, after last night, I'll never be back in shape. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah. Well, right this way, gents. Table four and five. Uh, Mr. Monroe, you can have a little sun ray while I work on Mr. Ross, huh? Yeah, but, but let's not work too hard, eh, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know me, Mr. Ross. Tender touch. Yeah. Stretch out. Relax now. I'm looking like a million. All right. Now, come on. Loosen up. You okay over there, Mr. Monroe? Hey, <laughs> Chet's out cold, huh? <laughs> hey, he's sound asleep. I uh, don't want him to get too much sun. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> Just say scotch and soda when he's had enough. Chet will come up bouncing. <laughs> oh, this feels better. Uh-huh. Rough night, huh? Well, a little rugged, Chuck, but worth it, believe me. My recommendation was okay, then. Okay. <laughs> Chuck, where in blazes did you ever find two beauties like that? Huh? Oh, oh, easy there. Oh, now we got to get these nuts out. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you and Mr. Monroe enjoyed yourselves. Next time you, you want a couple of dates, just call up yourselves, huh? <laughs> Already have, Chuck. <laughs> Next time's tonight. Oh, a oh, couple of fast workers. Well, I don't know about Chet there, but I went over pretty big. I did, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess the old touch still hasn't gone completely, anyway. <laughs> Makes you feel kind of young again, you know? <laughs> oh, Joe, <Jane>. turn <laughs> Well, I mean, a man needs a girl making a fuss over him again. Well, just don't let a girl know you wear a stomach support for the belly, that's all. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> if there's one thing should be kept secret, it's the... Ah, it's the phone. Do you mind, Mr. Russell? No, not a bit. I could use the rest, period. Go right ahead. It's probably an appointment. I'll finish you up as soon as I get back. It won't be a minute. No hurry. Take your time, Chuck. Hello. Hello, Chuck. It's me, Dory. Hey, honey, what did you and Joni do to those guys, anyway? there now? They're practically in a coma. <laughs> we'll pull them out of it by the night. We've got a heavy day. <laughs> so I understand. You know, I think it's time to shift into high, don't you? Why, I called. Uh, Joan and I worked up a telegram. You got a second? Shoot. To Mr. Waldo Jackson, Esquire Hotel, Belmore, Passaic. Proposition we are working on near ready. Suggest you join us immediately. Signed, Joan Dory Chuck. Okay for sending? Okay for sending. I'll see you later, Dory. Bye. Bye, Chuck. I'm sorry for the interruption, Mr. Ross. I'm ready to finish you up now. Back to the...
with a club date in just a moment. Friends, one reason it's a good idea to chew Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day is that it satisfies you without being rich or filling. You can chew Wrigley's Spearmint after meals, between meals, anytime, and as long as you want. You get your satisfaction from the delicious flavor and the natural, pleasant chewing. Wrigley's Spearmint Gum is wholesome and good for you. So make your daily treat Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. It's a treat you can trust for healthful, daily enjoyment. Always keep a package or two of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum handy in your purse or pocket. Be sure to get Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Act two of tonight's story on the FBI in peace and war, the club date. Hello? Miss Valentine, uh, this is Waldo Jackson. Mud, we're formal. Where are you calling from, Waldo, downstairs? Uh Uh-huh. Well, come on up, sweetie. We're ready and waiting for you. All right, Dory, what's his name? Ross. Arthur Bruce Ross. Nickname? Artie. Close friends call him Buck. What's his wife's name? Mildred. How long have they been married? Forever. Come on, come on. I celebrated the 25th anniversary this year. Where'd you go last night? <laughs> Where didn't we? Chuck, will you remind these two lame brains that I'm not asking all these questions for amusement? Joan, Dory, be nice, sir. Cooperate, please. Who can be nice this time of night? It's 4.30 in the afternoon. How do you expect us to be devastating again tonight if we don't get our shut up? You're seeing Ross and Monroe again tonight? Sure, we made an impression three nights in a row. <laughs> Impression's no word for it. Should have seen those boys on the rubbing table. Worse even than yesterday. I don't know how you do it, Chuck, but by 7.30 they're all bright and shiny again. Well, it'll be tonight, girls. The big club, El Sirocco, 51. Well, you'll let me know that in the morning. Right now, tell me where it was last night. Well, it's the big club, El Sirocco, 51. All <laughs> oh, right, I guess I have enough. Chuck, you can fill me in on the rest. Okay to go back to sleep now? Yeah, it's okay, as long as Waldo's on the beam. Am I? Well, looks like to me. Joan, honey, one drink before we take off. Huh? And you're sure this Ross character is going to act according to schedule when I turn up at his office? Well, figure it for yourself. Now, he's a wealthy, respectable citizen. He's got a long-time wife. Fancy apartment, sweet hunk of moolah in the vault. No, straight. So here's this respectable citizen having a ball with his wife out of town. So what's he going to do when his wife's attorney confronts him? Here you are, Chuck. Waldo, how about you? Uh, no, thanks. Uh, what's he going to do, Chuck? He's going to pay you plenty to keep your big mouth shut, that's what. Am I right, girls? As right. You haven't missed yet. Okay, I'll drink to not missing again. To you, Arthur Bruce, and an A1 performance, counselor. <laughs> FBI identification number 16J21206. Jack Waldo, alias Waldo Jackson, alias Dr. Jackson, alias the counselor. Height, six feet one inch. Well, Steve, got that stuff from identification. Oh, good. Uh, Dave, you've met Chief of Police Manley. Sure, we worked together on that Braden case. How are you, Chief? Fine, thanks, Mr. Reynolds. Uh, that the file you wanted, Steve? This is it. Oh, and stick around, Dave. You're in on this, too. Oh, I am? Yeah, word from upstairs has us both assigned to the case. Mr. Andrews wants us to work directly with the chief. Okay. What is it? An old friend of the Bureau, Mr. Reynolds. Jack Waldo. Jack Waldo? Alias Waldo Jackson, alias the counselor. Oh, that one. When did he get out? Eight months ago. Well, I guess he turned up eight months ago completely rehabilitated. He did, in Orlon, Indiana and rehabilitated one of its leading citizens out of $15,000. Blackmail? Well, you might call it that. He posed as the lawyer of the victim's wife. The man had been gadding about on an out-of-town business trip, and uh, presumably his wife heard about it and was secretly gathering evidence for divorce. Now, that sounds familiar. Why the chief is here, Dave. When our circular on Chuck Martin and uh, Dorian Valentine reached his office, the two things fit together hand in glove. It looks like their old routine with Waldo added. Any idea how we can catch up with him this time? Well, we've only got one good lead, but that's principally why I'm in Washington. When Chuck Martin left town, he also left his masseur's equipment at the All-On Athletic Club. Mr. Stevens and I were figuring that might possibly lead someplace. That's all? That's all, Dave. One kit of masseur's equipment put out by Steiner Brothers in Detroit. But as they say in the law books, the smallest lead often brings the biggest result. (laughs) 
Good morning, miss. I have an appointment with Mr. Ross. Uh, Waldemar Jackson is the name. Attorney at law. All right, Mr. Jackson. I suppose we stop talking in circles. Just what does this mean? It means just what I asked, Mr. Ross. What's going on between you and a young woman named Dorian Valandam? Do you mind if I smoke? Now, look, Mr. Don't tell me you're not acquainted with Miss Valandam. Believe me, it won't do you. What are you trying to pull? Just who are you, anyway? Now, Mr. Ross, don't get excited. Sit down, relax. Who are you? What are you pulling? I demand that you tell me. Uh, Mr. Ross, I honestly don't feel you're in a position to demand anything. Now, please sit down. That's better. Learn to control that excitability, have you? She said you were a high-strung individual. She? Dory Valandam said? Miss Valandam. Well, you are representing her, aren't you? This is some kind of a hold-up, I imagine. Huh? Oh, dear, Mr. Ross, you are high-strung. Of course I don't represent Dory and Valandam. I never laid eyes on that young woman. What? But you... It's fortunate for you she isn't within hearing distance. As I say, I don't know the woman, but I don't suspect she'd relish such a false accusation. But you said I that... said what's going on between you two. It was my informants provided me with the knowledge. No, it wasn't Miss Valandam who said Buck was high-strung. Buck! Mildred does call you Buck, doesn't she? B- Mildred! Oh, yes, that's who I'm representing. Mrs. Arthur Bruce Ross. Oh. She's put up with your Lothario antics long enough, Mr. Ross. Before she left for Miami, she gave me explicit instructions. If you hadn't changed... Mildred, my wife hired you to spy on me. Well, I wouldn't put it that way exactly. Let's say she retained me to have your activities checked on as evidence in her divorce action. Divorce? And if I say so myself, your activities have been quite active indeed. Um, now, for instance... Last night, subject and Miss Dorian Valandam, a television actress, went to the following night class. My wife, Mrs. Ross, wants a divorce. Well, she will after she sees these notes, won't she, Mr. Ross? <laughs> well, you find it amusing. <laughs> yes, I find it very amusing. In fact, I find it hilarious. Well, yeah. What's that? Now, see. Yeah, Mr. Ross. <laughs> now, look, you, you, you'd better sit down, Mr. Jackson. After you hear what I tell you, you'll find it hilarious also. <laughs> In fact, I absolutely guarantee you will. <laughs> Back to the club date in just a moment. Friends, here's a helpful suggestion that will add to your family's fun and enjoyment on Christmas. While you're doing the rest of your Christmas shopping, Get some packages of healthful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Hang glistening packages of Wrigley's Spearmint on your tree. They are white, red, and green, real holiday colors. And they'll give your tree an added attractive touch of color and cheer. Slip a few packages of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum into Christmas stockings. They'll delight the children. Remember, too, Wrigley's Spearmint Gum is a wholesome, non-filling treat for your family to enjoy after those big holiday meals. So for extra holiday enjoyment... That costs very little. Get a supply of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Act three of tonight's story on the FBI in Peace and War, The Club Date. To Chief of Police Manley, Orlon, Indiana. Answer received from Steiner Brothers in Detroit. New equipment forwarded last month to Chuck Martin, Metropolitan Health Club, New York City. Suggest meeting New York at your earliest convenience. Sign it Stevens and Reynolds, FBI. <laughs> so you told him your informants had all the info on him, huh? I did. And his wife was ready to get a divorce. You hit him with that, too. I certainly did. <laughs> Come on, come on. How much did he give you for mum's the word? He gave me the shock of my life. What? What do you mean, shock of your life? Folks, our dear sucker, Mr. Ross, said something we just didn't count on. Yeah. He said... Yeah? He wants a divorce. No. What's a divorce? That's what he said. He's been wanting one for the last ten years, he said. Only the missus would never consent. Oh, my <laughs> well, Can you imagine that? We sure didn't count on something like that, did we? We sure didn't count. <laughs> What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing. We're so glad you're amused. Tom, to be sure. You don't think it's funny? 
Dropping 10, maybe 15 Gs, always good for a laugh. I'm holding my side. But who said anything about dropping 10 Gs? What do you mean, who said? You said. You know, every time you open your yap, Waldo, I don't like Now, wait a minute, Chuck. Now, wait a minute. Don't jump off the deep end. I hear Waldo's brain cooking. Thank you, Dory, dear. Cooking what? Well, when our friend Mr. Ross sprung the unexpected on me, I was taken aback. Naturally. Naturally. But only for the moment. So the man wants a divorce, I said to myself. So Waldo will give it to him. I, in fact, that's the reason I'm in the man's office. To arrange for the divorce and financial settlement. Ah! Financial settlement. That's like money? That's exactly like money, Chuck. Normally it's called alimony. However, the plan I worked out with Arthur Bruce does away with long, drawn-out payments. The plan we worked out calls for one payment only. A flat figure of $35,000 payable upon my return with legal drawn document at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I think that's rather funny, don't you? Uh, Miss Wilson, will you tell Mr. Jackson I'm ready to see him now? And it is further ratified, approved, confirmed, and adopted by the court, and made a part of this agreement set out in full herein, and the parties are hereby directed to carry out all the provisions thereof, done in open court, the date, signatures, and so forth. So, that's about all there is to it, Mr. Ross. How does that sound to you? Well, it sounds very interesting. Don't you think so, Steve? I certainly do. Interesting, to say the least. Yes. I... Oh, I hope you don't mind my having Mr. Stevens here to advise me, Mr. Jackson. Mine? On the contrary, sir, I'm delighted. As an attorney, I think it only proper that you be represented. In fact, I wouldn't have it otherwise. Neither would I. And now, if this agreement is satisfactory... Mr. Jackson, sir, may I ask one question? Any question at all. What about visitation? Uh, what about what? Visitation. What about it? Surely you've included a provision on children. Well, if the two are getting a divorce, I think it unlikely. Mr. Stevens is referring to my boy at prep school, Mr. Jackson. Arthur Bruce, Jr. Oh, your boy at prep school. Surely you've included a provision on him. A visitation provision. Uh-huh. Well, now, frankly, Mr. Stevens, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Let me go on record as saying I have no objection whatever to including him. Well, I'm going to see that you go on record, Mr. Jackson. I have no objection, believe me. It wouldn't make any difference if you did. Well, I don't. No objection, whatever. You just name it, and I'll include it. You're very obliging, Mr. Jackson. My client is anxious to have this settled, sir. And to tell the truth, so am I. My schedule has me in Miami this time tomorrow. Mine has me in Washington. Well, then, if Mr. Ross will give me his check, I'll give him my word to include the provision in the matters behind us. That's all there is to it, eh? That's all. Well, what do you think, Steve? Well... I have a certified check here for 25000 made out to Mr. Jackson mm -hmm. for 35000 I believe. No, no, I think Mr. Stevens has the one for thirty-five. Uh -huh. And I also have one here for ten thousand and another for fifteen. Uh, you do have the one for thirty-five, don't you, Steve? <laughs> All those checks, uh, we must have been expecting to settle this. Yes, I've been collecting them for Uncle Sam with that very thought in mind. For whom? Uncle Sam. I'm afraid you also forgot to include a provision for him. Well, I have no objection to including any provision for relatives. Well, long as you're willing to go on record... I am completely willing. Is Sam on the wife's side or the husband's side? Well, which would you say, Steve? I'd say he's on the government's side. On whose side? The government's. Wouldn't you say that, Arthur? Oh, I would, indeed. The government's side. That's what he'd say. Something tells me something's going on here, and that something Jackson's not in on. What's going on? You are, Mr. Jackson. You're going on record. I'm already on record. I know, but you're going on again. Oh. You're one of those agents? Uh-huh. FBI. That's right. Federal Bureau of Investigation. How do you like that? I like it, Mr. Jackson. Mr. Ross, this was a dirty trick, but I'm going to give you some free advice anyway. Go ahead. A man should never play around when his wife's away. It only leads to trouble. That's my advice, Mr. Thanks. I'll remember it. Okay, Waldo, let's go. Where? Where? Well, to the athletic club, of course. After a trying day, there's nothing like a brisk massage, is there? No, there's nothing like it. I think last New Year's resolution was a solemn promise to make this New Year's resolution outside the podium. Oh, well, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, eh? All right, Uncle Sam, let's go. 
With the apprehension of Waldo Jackson and Chuck Martin, a very clever swindle was removed from the active files of your FBI. Both men went to prison for terms of six years. Dorian Vallandam and Joan Bryce were sentenced to serve two years in a women's penitentiary. Their separate confinement was the final booking of the club date. Friends, we want to remind you that it's a good idea to have plenty of healthful, delicious Wrigley's Spearmint in your home for the holidays. Hang some glistening packages of Wrigley's Spearmint on your Christmas tree. They'll give your tree an extra touch of color and good cheer. Give the children an added treat by putting a few packs of Wrigley's Spearmint in their Christmas stockings. And have some to pass around to everyone during family get-togethers. Remember, too, Wrigley's Spearmint gum is an ideal treat to top off hearty holiday meals. Because chewing Wrigley's Spearmint freshens the taste, sweetens the breath, and aids digestion. So get some packages of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum for happy holidays. Remember, that's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. In tonight's story, Alan Hewitt played the role of Waldo Jackson. Waldo Grise was Arthur Ross. This radio dramatization for the FBI and Peace and War was written by Jack Anson Fink. These programs are produced and directed by Betty Mandeville. All names and characters used on the program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This program is based upon Frederick L. Collins' copyrighted book, The FBI in Peace and War, and the broadcast does not imply endorsement, authorization, or approval by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you real chewing enjoyment, invite you to listen to next Wednesday's story, The Handyman, on the FBI in Peace and War. Same time, same station. This is the CBS Radio Network. That's going to do it for Case Closed for this week. You can find more from the lineup, the FBI in Peace and War, past episodes of Case Closed, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes at relicradio.com. Got a shoutcast stream up and running there as well. You can also donate through the website or visit donate.relicradio.com if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. That's going to do it for this week. I'll be back next Wednesday on another episode of Case Closed. Case Closed.